Welcome to Triple XP. This is episode 20. I am joined by Mike. Hi. And this week we're joined by Max. <gasps> oh, and I forgot to mention, I'm Shane. <laughs> um, you can find us on all the usual places, YouTube, Spotify, and any other important place where podcasts are held. On this week's episode, we will be discussing E3's digital return. Mike finally finally plays Jedi Fallen Order and gives us his opinion on it. And we get to talk we get to talking about graphical art styles. But before we get into any of that, how are you both? Uh Pax, how are you man? <laughs> yeah, I'm good thanks. Yeah, just uh just come off of the night shift um and woke up not so long ago. But yeah, feeling fresh. After a night shift. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a sentence I don't think I've ever heard I've just come, I just woke up from having a night shift I'm Super feeling fresh, fresh. <laughs> it's, it's like 4 in the afternoon as we record this so. yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah but I used to do nights all the time and even after waking up at 4 in the afternoon I still felt like death <laughs> night, nights fucks up your body clock it, do, it does <laughs> weird things weird <laughs> things indeed it's my first one ever so you know <laughs> we'll see if I have to um you know, like force my body into it in the future. Well, yeah, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah, the detrimental effects of that. We'll see. <laughs> so, is this a uh, with COVID stuff in place, a uh, sort of thing, a job you picked up, get some get some cash flow and whatnot? Yeah, just get an extra dollar. Um, yeah, we're, we're supposed to be getting married this year, and just with the uh, reduction in salary and everything, and it's just nice to sort of bulk that up a bit and uh, kind of, yeah, get some planning ahead uh, just in case anything bad does happen. Plus, it's a reason to get out of the house. And that as well, yeah. It's, um, that's that's really helped in terms of like a mental health side and um, just getting so, out and meeting new people as well. Was, that's been really helpful uh, for me, I think. Yeah, government, take that. There's a, <laughs> yeah. a, a loophole in your lockdown. Is We can just get extra jobs. Yeah, I'll just go see people <laughs> at my new job. <laughs> Try and Mike, stop me. <laughs> Mike, how are you? You alright? Yeah, not not too bad. Not too bad. I've um I've just like recently got a new job as well, and that comes with a weekly COVID test, which is lovely. So, you know, I'm sort of kind of into nostril play now after getting tested <laughs> every week. But nice. But I mean other than that, new kink, I'm I'm, I'm pretty good. <laughs> Nostril and feet, isn't it? Yeah. That's your your kinks at the moment. Essentially, yeah. <laughs> nice. Interestingly, I have I also start my new job oh, Monday. So, like, tri- triple XP, triple job SmackDown. That's a bunch <laughs> of go getters. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I spoke about mine previously, like going into Monday to Friday. So finally. Finally, no more weekends. It's a Saturday, and I get to lay on my bed while recording this with you guys at four in the afternoon. Nice. Not something I could have thought of doing Very three weekend. months ago. <laughs> no, but 
But anyway, should we get into the news? Yeah, it's, I feel like it's a big yeah. one this week. I feel like there's a lot of news to cover. Yeah, there's some really, really big stories this week. So, as per always, Max, as our guest, do you want to hit us with your story first? Um, yeah, so this week saw a few bands um, remaster the Super Mario World's soundtrack. Um, go on Twitter, the Brickstar is uh, sort of the main project manager for this um, venture. And um, due to the Giga Leak last year um, of a lot of source code and internal documents from Nintendo, um, they've been able to track down original samples used from different games. Um, one of those being uh, the source code from the Super Mario Advance game. Um, and so they have then utilized these to rebuild the songs. Um, so rather than having like the um, having to compress the audio file um, with the constraints of the SNES um, and its audio RAM, like that, um, they've managed to um, yeah remaster them basically, um, utilizing the uh, utilizing the original samples. That's pretty cool. But, yeah, yeah it's, re- it's really interesting, um, and it's. As per usual, like well, Super Mario World is one of my favourite games of all time, and uh, it's just given me the nostalgia itch to go through and play them again. But also seek out like other tracks that guys have restored, like the Donkey Kong Country soundtrack as well, which is incredible anyway. Um, but yeah, yeah. So like, I've um, not. Oh, go on, Matt. Yeah. I was gonna, I was just going to say I've not heard these tracks. Have you both heard them? No, like the remastered no. versions, not the original. Yeah, I've I've sat down um, through the through the playlist. Um, although although they're amazing and sort of gave me that nostalgic sort of itch to play those old games again, I, I don't think that they've got the kind of unique sound that you know that they had to kind of create by forcing themselves to live within the constraints of the NES uh, the SNES story. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, yeah, I kind of know what you mean there. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's brilliant. It's it's great that they've been able to do that, but I still think that the originals sound better. Yeah, yeah I, I, I yeah, get what you're saying. Mike, you had a point you wanted to raise? Uh, just where, where can you listen to these? Are they on Spotify? Uh, no, they're just on YouTube. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, uh, the, like the main project, project managers, um, the Brickster. And uh, yeah, I'll have to find... We can link later on in the show notes um, just regarding where we can listen to these amazing restores. Yeah. Um, it seems like Nintendo just has this like great community. Just going back to like last week's episode with you know Ed's story about um, Super Smash Bros. It's just Nintendo specifically has this community behind it that just keep reviving these old games and stuff. It's just nice to see. Just I think wholesome. With, with Nintendo as well, they like I know we talk about when it with the stupid like console wars and that we talk about sort of like there's there's these fan loyalties but when it when you think of Nintendo their fans really are the most loyal fans yeah like it doesn't yeah, matter how shit something is that Nintendo throws up with the Wii U here you go guys love it love it it's great <laughs> worst console there, ever made love just, it it's just such a passion behind. Yeah, like Nintendo's history and, and, and backlog is yeah, it's, it's endearing to see that 
uh, like I was looking at this Brixter guy is, is only sort of like 18 and it's amazing that someone who never experienced the original um, has taken such a sort of kind of love for these like old games and, and kind of bringing his passion to developing them even more. Yeah, but the and, the, and this is the good thing with Nintendo as well, particularly over the last, what, 40 years, every generation has had a really strong Nintendo console to build their love of Nintendo off of, and, and then has allowed them to expand into stuff that was pre their birth or newer stuff. So, like, you look at obviously the, the current generation being the Switch, the this guy would have grown up with what the GameCube, which was one of their like absolutely most adored consoles in the last yeah. sort of 10 years to 20 years. Um, and then you're going back to the N64, and then b- before that, the NES and SNES. Like the last forty to fifty years, there's you're going to struggle to find a generation that has gamers in it that hasn't had an outstanding Nintendo console to help build that love off of. Yeah. Which the others just don't have that level of <laughs> of old school. <laughs> no, there's such a heritage uh, that they've they've developed, and, and it's good that it's good to see um, new people kind of fostering that heritage as well. Yeah, totally. Yeah, definitely. What what a beautifully wholesome story to start us off. <laughs> so so wholesome. <laughs> um, do you want me to go next, Mike, or do you want to hit yours? Uh, I know you bought two. Go on. <laughs> I'm overachieving. I'll, that's why. Uh, I'll do mine. You on, you can finish on. with yours. Um, so I don't know if I know Max has seen this. I don't know if you've seen it, but Epic announced a new development tool. Uh, I believe it was last week. Um called metahumans and it's essentially a character customization tool that's going to now my this is obviously based off my very limited understanding of video game development (laughs) um that will allow companies and developers to use this tool to develop characters in a much quicker process time to what it would have taken previously um so i've just let me just um, read for the clip here, like part of the article that I've got here, which is from PC Gamer. Um, so the MetaHuman creator is, a, is powered by the Unreal Engine and allows for scarily realistic human proportions and facial animations. The main aim is to dramatically reduce the time studios spend creating and rigging realistic humans, something which Epic says can take weeks or even months saying on its website, bringing compelling real-time digital humans to life is so incredibly challenging and time-consuming. Now, they're talking about it being weeks or months, and this new tool, my understanding is that via utilising this this tool, you could create very realistic-looking character designs in a matter of hours or at least in under a day, is from what I've read, which is pretty insane. Is mental. Yeah, from like development standpoint, it's this must be pretty exciting. But like, yeah, and just before the show, while you and um, while you were dealing with your your dog situation, me and Max (laughs) were just saying like, you look at what Epic did with when they announced the new Unreal Engine earlier in the or back end of last year, um, with the the new Luminous tool, the the lighting tool that they spoke about, and the 
the tools that they were talking about where you could just take an object from one thing and it would just like 3D render and create it to be put into another like source. Um, so you could like chop and change across different formats and games and stuff. And now throwing in this tool as well, it it just it's like Epic are spending a lot of time and money to really push development forward to benefit both development costs, development times, um, to the, just just the general development of video games to try and make that to try and future proof that as much as possible. Yeah. It's what is how it kind of comes across to me. Like the Unreal Engine is like used so broadly across like many games. Um something you don't even realise as well. Um but it's just I guess it's just their like bread and butter, isn't it? It's the the main Um, source of income. (laughs) Jedi, correct me if I'm wrong if because you're probably listening um outside of the episode, but I I think my my understanding is that the Unreal Engine is the most used engine across, like, in general. I know there are some studios that have their own specific engines, but as in Unreal is one of the most widely used across the entire industry because it's used by so many different companies from very small startup companies right up to big boys using it for any number of different reasons. Um, I don't know if you guys know any more on that than i do but that's my understanding is it's quite it's literally like one of the most used engines out there yeah it's, it's yeah i think uh, go on, go, on sorry, right, sorry. go ahead um yeah i think like that and unity um it's really good for kind of indie developers um just because they're available free um epic has got a really good store environment as well so that you can pick up other elements that other people have built which you can also pay for so it's kind of like a um, a monetary stream uh, for for some developers where they can kind of build um, different environments that people can kind of use in their projects um which is really good um but kind of back onto like the, the meta human you know creating a fully rigged character in a short space of time is is incredible um similar to what we were talking about earlier with um how you know with some of the objects especially in game development you know artists and and developers are trying to kind of compress um the way that objects are with um their like polygons and um with the new tools you know that's not so much of an issue anymore um Mm-hmm. So that they can kind of, rather than focusing on kind of constraining the object, um, they can just kind of have a, a lot more free reign with being able to build um, rather than um, kind of compress it. Um, and yeah, paint, painting like the weights on a ribbed character to kind of get the skeleton to move with with the outer um body it, it, it takes a lot of time and just streamlining that is is such a great tool for artists i think yeah which so hopefully it'll no, I'll to, go ahead, Mike. hopefully it'll just lead to a quicker turnaround for games for us to play yes. yeah that's yeah that's, we, we, that's, the end, that that's the end goal here isn't it like give us more games quickly <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and, and what I said, like quality. even if it drops it by twenty percent, uh, if it or or a quarter of the time, like if it's a four year development time and it drops it to a three year development time, amazing. Yeah, like if it drops it by six months, amazing. Um, so just on the because you obviously mentioned around uh, price points and stuff. So the part of this article does state Epic confirmed to PC Gamer 
that MetaHumans Creator will be free for use with the Unreal Engine, which is also free for use with commercial Unreal Engine game projects paying royalties only after earning over a million in revenue. So these tools that Epic are putting out there, um, they don't request any royalties off of them until it's earned over a million dollars in right. in revenue. And then which, they want again, like 999,000. <laughs> 99% <laughs> of the revenue. <laughs> but I mean, again, for those, for those smaller... Um, smaller developers out there that are starting out or that are trying to get their their, their product off the ground um, and are, are unlikely to hit those high numbers very quickly, mm-hmm. this is a great tool that they can use for free um, just to, to get out there. And I'm sure that any company wouldn't be fussed about having to then pay royalties once they've made that first million. <laughs> like If you're able to get your name out there, because if you're making a million, then chances are you're, you're getting noticed by people. So... Yeah, it's absolutely. a win-win. Use of those Fortnite bucks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, imagine if that is it. Like you've got to pay royalties, but we only want them in Fortnite bucks. <laughs> 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 so, Mike, what have, what have you bought to this week? Um, so this week, HBO has confirmed the cast for the Last of Us TV series. Yes. Um, so it's essentially headed up by Pedro Pascal, who. Um, from the Mandalorian TV series, which we all love. Um, and he's playing Joel. And they've also cast alongside, as Ellie, uh, Bella Ramsey. And if you don't know who that is, it's um, Liana, Le- yeah, Liana Mormont from yeah, the Game of Thrones right. TV series. And uh, I wasn't too excited about them. Make, like I wanted a Last of Us TV series. Yeah, I'm all about that. But I just, I just wasn't sure about them touching the Ellie and Joel um, story. I think like it's perfect as it is. It's a nice little package, but this casting is just like so good. It's it's perfect in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Pe- Pedro really looks looks the part. Yeah, um, I think it's a does, solid yeah. choice there. I've seen a lot of people not particularly massively happy with Bella Ramsey, but then a lot of them are like basing on her Game of Thrones appearance in which a she was very good yeah but b that was a fair few years ago now <laughs> like yeah. yeah she's grown up uh quite a bit since she did that show because we're talking what three or four years ago maybe five years ago um and she's quite a young actress so she's at that stage where development of her is is that it's like peak where she's going to be developing a lot not just in her abilities but also in her actual age and looks maturity yeah. wise yeah. Um, I, I think, can't see an issue with this. I think she she was one of those characters in Game of Thrones in those later seasons where it's sort of dipping in quality a bit that really sort of shone through. Um, yeah. And I think it's just, yeah, again, just great casting. Yeah, I, th- I think some of the outrage that's come from this is like, <laughs> that it's like, oh, well, we want Elliot Page. To, it's like, it's, it's not going to happen. Just, yeah. you know, I know that... You know, originally didn't, when it came out, that they looked very similar, and they were saying that. Didn't Naughty uh, Dog have to change look, Ellie's appearance because she looked too much like Elliot Page? Potentially, yeah. But there it's, was, it's there was a, something about that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just hilarious that you know Elliot Page is um, a lot older now than compared to when the games first came out, and it's just stop yeah, having yeah. like the, <laughs> this this complete age difference of 
younger characters being played by um kind of 30 yeah. year old people <laughs> it just it just doesn't make sense yeah like you get those like ellie watches all these te- cheesy like teen dramas and they're all like 32 with like stubble and beards and stuff and they're playing like yeah. teenagers like yeah but there's also <laughs> this like ridiculous absolute ridiculous like toxic fan fandom view that just because one person is whether it be a voice actor or an actor or whoever has played that character well that no one else could possibly ever play that character ever again in any other way or yeah. ever be good at it i mean I, and it's yeah. ridiculous I, originally i was sort of like ah, don't don't you know nobody could play joel as good as uh, as good as uh you know troy baker did um and he did such a great job on that but this is just another version of the last of us so i'm just so happy that there's more last of us content yeah and and this is the thing like it's okay to be concerned that it's not going to be as good as you personally want it to be but that the fan outrage yeah i'm not, I'm not like sort of things, it's ruined all of the last of us is ruined yeah exactly <laughs> like we saw we saw it with the avengers when they changed all the avengers didn't film versions and use the like their own versions yeah we saw it with this there was the the when there was like people talking about um the fact that they were talking about redoing uh recasting wolverine to obviously be able to bring him into the mcu and everyone's like no hugh jackman it has to be hugh jackman honestly look at the man yeah it doesn't (laughs) have to we know like just <laughs> honestly, there are other actors out there that will do just as good a job if you give them a chance. Yeah, absolutely. you just don't give them a chance. It's um, like uh, um, the... Heath Ledger when when he originally yeah. got cast as a Joker, he was it was like exactly. outrage all over, and they were just like, he'll, he'll never be a good Joker. Like, but you know, he's, exactly, he's, he's up there with the best. So, yeah, yeah and I, I was about to say Ben Affleck when he was cast as Batman, and everyone was like, yeah, but he was so shit at Daredevil. Yeah, he was like <laughs> ten years prior. <laughs> yeah. He's moved on as an actor since then. <laughs> Doesn't help that was a terrible film as well. So. <laughs> I mean, it was a terrible film, but it it was also uh, it was a child of its time, wasn't it? It was a it was a film that very much was with the time of yeah. those. Was it like early really 2000s? cheesy? Yeah, really cheesy, like actiony superhero-y films. X Men hadn't even fully kind of established itself in the way that it was taken. Because X Men was the one that really started pushing it forward, and it yeah. it just it, it was shit. Yeah, it was shit. <laughs> but it doesn't mean that ten years later, or fifteen years, or however many years it's been, that that man now can't act a different role because he's been a great actor in so many other things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Argo. And... <laughs> exactly. It's just it's such a ridiculous like fandom thing that really infuriates me that people can't just give an actor or actress a chance at, at a character because it doesn't fit their perfect little bubble world of what they want that character to be. Yeah. <laughs> Madness. I agree. But yeah. I think this will be great. Yeah. So excited yes. for it. I'm very excited. Um, very so, excited. so yeah, my, just moving on to my next story. E3 is making just a comeback. Also um, very exciting. <laughs> which, <laughs> so it's like an all digital event now. Um, this is great news. I love E3, but it does, just reminds me of that person on Facebook that we all, we're all friends with who's like, I'm leaving social media, you'll never see me again. And then a week later, it's like, I'm back, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Did you miss us? <laughs> yeah. So it's like, so yeah, well, this is, I'm all in for this. So 
yeah, E3 is back, baby. I mean, this is a challenging one anyway, because obviously E3 didn't do anything last year because of the COVID situation, completely understandable. Could they have put something in place on a digital basis? Probably. Actually, yeah. was it better for them to take a year out and kind of redefine who they were and what they wanted to be? Probably, actually, yes. Um, but we know that for the last, what, three years, Sony has very much been against E3 in its pre- previous format. Um, yeah. A lot of other companies have also spoke out about the fact that E3 was almost a relic. It, it wasn't fit for purpose to what they wanted anymore. Um, they were trying to push it to be more of a uh, fan show. And I know that the, the whoever runs E3 was trying to push against that. Um, so, yeah, I think a digital event is the right move moving forward, especially now that so many of the big companies are doing their own digital thing. Yeah, I mean, Sony, it's, it's Ubisoft. Just, it's just another step to that all digital future, isn't it? That, that we're yeah, towards. and you know what? If E3 can bring all that digital content, not I mean, not all of it, because Sony will still have its state of plays and Nintendo will still do whatever the fuck they want. <laughs> but if it can bring the bulk of that digital content under one banner in a like one week format, I'm all for it. Mm. Summer of Games was great, but it was far too long. All right, dragged on, just... and then it was just so much like filler. Yeah, and there was, was there was just too much to keep up with as well. It was yeah. it was too long and too overfilled with too much guff. Yeah. Um, and I, although uh, I've forgotten his name, Jeff Keighley. Jeff Keighley, yeah. Although J- Jeff Keighley did an absolutely amazing job of putting all that together, but it was just impossible to keep up with that schedule. Mm. Um, so if E3 can do that but much more refined and in a much shorter space of time with a much better layout of who they digitally want involved um that'll be much nicer and plus i can go back to staying up until like three in the morning to watch (laughs) sony like have some bloke playing the banjo on a stage (laughs) (laughs) shout out to last of us too <laughs> Make such good watch party content. So it does, yeah, yeah. I do always enjoy those, like when we're taking the piss out of like the awkwardness that always happens at E3. <laughs> pivotal, <laughs> the pivotal role, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like we we know that the the digital marketing for games now, and particularly for game companies like big studios, it, it is all digital now. They don't require the same marketing. They require when E3 was set up in, what is it, 1995 or something when it first started, something like that. It was in the mid-90s. Um, they don't need the same setup that they used to have because they have the ability to market for themselves now in the way that they want to do it, when they want to do it, how they want to do it. Yeah. So moving toward digital just makes sense. And if they can... I know I can't imagine... There's always going to still be a behind-closed-door element to it because you can't release pre-builds to the public i get that there's always going to be something that journalists need to be able to play so there'll, yeah. there'll still be a whether that will be a digital setup or not i know that a lot of when i've listened to a lot of other podcasts and like reviewers last year they did a lot of things where it was like streamed to their console or yeah. streamed to their pc so they could play the game from home but over like while they're being monitored um i imagine something like that would happen but i know that was it Blizzard who were looking at like 
paper tickets like a digital so that, ticket sort of thing yeah. yeah so you could access specific things that you wouldn't be able to access as a non-paying customer um as long as it's not ridiculous as long as you're not turning around to me and saying right you have to pay 40 pound or 40 dollars for this ticket to play like and a actually, five minute demo of fucking overwatch 2 or whatever yeah as long as it's reasonable <laughs> if they turn around and said you know what it's a five dollar a five dollar digital ticket to gain extra footage extra content and you get access to these specific demos i'd be all for that yeah like and i think a lot of people in the in the world would and you would probably make more money by dropping it lower than you would by having it at a higher price yeah my personal opinion i think i think the focus of um you know the, like the cloud gaming um sort of instances like things like the demos being released like uh, as a link or like, um, like a secure link to people or uh, like the public or um like the press um it, it kind of opens up such a an avenue for people to test it like to try these games at those events that we necessarily wouldn't be able to um when they're over the other side of the world um from us i think it's yeah i think with this yeah digital ages um there's a lot more opportunities for people now with that sense yeah definitely and also like you look at, and I don't know what your two's view on this, but I feel like these last, let's say, three years where Sony have started doing their state of plays and started doing more regular stuff, Microsoft has started doing more regular stuff, um, EA has had a few little digital events, so has Ubisoft. I feel like in these last three years, every event that we've had from companies, we've seen more gameplay than we've ever seen before at these type of events. Because you, they're not filling them with like some shitty celebrity doing a Just Dance intro on a stage, <laughs> or like here's this Forza car that we built in real life to show you. Um, it's it, it's a focus on the gameplay, and a, and that's what fans want. They want to see the gameplay, and it feels like the last few years that's really what they've been giving us. Sony has come out of a state of play, and it's half an hour long, and it's literally just. Bang, 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 gameplay, yeah. gameplay, gameplay, playing gameplay with a random voiceover woman doing little bits in between. Um, and that's, I mean, as gamers, that's all we want, isn't it? Just more gameplay footage. I just want to see the games. I want what, to know dates. I want to know games. What I love is um, when they drop a like, you can play this right now. Yeah. And then it's just immediately available after the trailer. Like, I feel like it's got so much like untapped potential. I know it's kind of like works on whether the developer's ready to do that or not, or really, you know, release these demos and stuff. But, you know, if E3 were to come back and say all of these games that you watch, you can just play them right now, whether it be a demo or, you know, releasing it right now. Um, well, the, yeah, I mean, that. If E3 were to happen, do that. <laughs> that doesn't happen as often as we would like it to. Devolver Digital are quite good with that. Uh, yeah. like, and Nintendo are quite good at it as well as being like, here's a demo for a game that actually came out last week, we just didn't tell you yeah <laughs> um, but the last one I remember where that was like really big and I'm pretty sure Max, you were at this one, either at my house or I was on mic to you was when they did the Battlefield Hardline one yeah, because um, I yeah. think, wasn't it like Snoop Dogg was playing the demo in the studio and then they were like, and you could be like Snoop Dogg and download the demo 
now <laughs> and then it literally like went live then and then it crashed because ever everyone in the world was trying to download <laughs> yeah the store was great. <laughs> it was on ps3 wasn't it and the yeah. ps3 store was trash anyway oh, and it was like <laughs> the store's buckled with with everyone trying to get on it at the same time we were and just like message, messaging each other like have you got into it yet have you got it yet that's that's the ps3 store buckled if two people were trying to like access it at the same time yeah. exactly and then there's snoop dog on the telly with his joint in his mouth playing hardline just smiling at the camera <laughs> <laughs> oh great times <laughs> but yeah that's exciting that's very exciting yeah um but yeah, that's the that's the news for this week, isn't it? Anything else with this? Anything? Any other points you two wanted to make? Nope, absolutely nothing. Nothing else. Absolutely, <laughs> that's it. In the bin. <laughs> Let's move on. Next. <laughs> so, what we have been playing? Uh, our second segment, and as as per usual, Mac, we start with yourself as our guest. Hit us with your your games of the week. Games of the week. So. <laughs> But I don't know why, but I decided after playing Demon Souls, I thought, you know what, I want more pain. So Sekiro came back, uh, came out in two thousand nineteen, wasn't it? And, mm, um, sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, when I first played it, I think I nearly threw my controller out the window. And how frustrated I was with it. <laughs> and um, I thought, you know what, I want some more of that in my life again. So um, I was like, right, I'm going to shout out to your boys and girls at Boomerang. Um, rented Sekiro. And um, yeah, I'm going back through that at the moment. Uh, when I first got back into it, I was, uh, I was like, I haven't played this for a while. I can't remember how to do anything. And I remember everyone used to go, oh, you need to do the Makiri counter like, and trying to focus on timings. And uh, I was like, right, okay, I'm going to go back to the training guy um, in kind of the shrine that you, you start off at. Um, I think his name Hanbei the Undying. Yeah, and, get, um, get, the, get the Rocky montage on the go and then... Yeah, yeah. chasing chickens and <laughs> like, there are giant roosters <laughs> in the game. So, But... Um, yeah, I was like, right, I'm going to go back and I'm going to fight him. I'm like, rising up! But, um, <laughs> so, yeah, I was like, right, I'm going to learn the timings, kind of understand, like, the posture and um, the Makiri counter, and then I'm going to go back into this. So, um, yeah, it's been some incredible boss fights, uh, like the um, undead ape. Mate, fuck we that. Don't... Fuck that gorilla. <laughs> I hate that goddamn thing. Like, I fought it, and then obviously it comes back to life, and you're like, oh, okay. But then... Oh. <laughs> but then, like, you, ca you carry on going through, and then there's another point in the game, and I, I got to... I was like, what is that? Is that a lizard on the side of the wall? I jumped into the arena, and then it's the fucking ape again, and he's back. I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> it's like, why won't you die? <laughs> oh, yeah. But, it's um, awful. Yeah, I've just I've just beaten the owl, um, and uh, yeah, just being absolutely triggered by it. every time I died. It's like one, the parent is absolute, and I was like, okay, but please stop saying that. I, I get it. I'm rubbish at this game. <laughs> it's like seared into your brain. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah, it's just like going to bed and just like the parent is absolute. <laughs> <laughs> just waking up in cold sweats, like waking the missus up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no daddy no 
but um yeah and the great thing about it as well is that um <laughs> sorry mike but uh i'm playing on the ps5 at the moment so it's got a 60 fps upgrade um so it just feels so smooth um, compared to when i played it on the ps4 i think that's the kind of game where those extra frames per sec like mean something yeah they really do i still have some frustrations with like some of the timings and some of the moves like i feel that sometimes it tracks you when it shouldn't and i'm a bit like mm, don't really get that and um but it, it might just mean just being shit really so <laughs> um but yeah I, I, i've got a lot more patience for it now um i'm still getting frustrated with it at times but mm. i've got a lot more patience for it and i am making progress and i will finish this game yeah, I mean, I got to... Determination. Up. Yeah. Yes. I, I got to Gorilla Grodd and then fucked it off. Like, <laughs> nah, I'm done. Well, well now, you know, now you know that he comes back, so... Yeah, yeah. I was, yeah, I even, even, like, I was like, right, I'll get some fucking hype music on. And I got the um, oh, Rage Against Machines, like, Gorilla Radio. I like, played that, and I was like, I'm going to do it this time, and it just didn't work. <laughs> well, now, now you know that if you revisit it, you need the power of Stan Bush. I do need the power of Stan Bush. I think that's what, what it is. That's that's 100% what you need. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> but, um, yeah, also, I've been playing Destiny. Uh, the new season has come out, Season of the Chosen. Um, it's so much better than Season of the Hunt currently. Um, obviously, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a long season. I think it's like 70, 80 days or something maybe even 90 but um yeah there's just been some nice changes to the ui um and like the weekly and seasonal bounties um just trying to reduce that fomo that is currently sort of a part of destiny um you've got the new bat uh, battlegrounds activity which is kind of like a mini strike um and you just get excuse the expression but pounded by the balls of cabal mate mate what <laughs> so basically mike because you you were you, this is going to be confusing for you essentially the one of the enemies the cabal which are like these giant space rhinos um they their way of like coming like arriving on the planet is they basically drop in these giant metal balls that's the, they are literally giant metal balls that hold like a small platoon of them like i know like eight or nine troops at a time but if you get hit by a ball you will die because it's a giant metal ball falling out of space obviously um but in these new battlefield modes they are fucking everywhere you can't, literally can't take a step left or right without a ball dropping on you it's it is the most frustrating thing it's great and i'm loving it but also I just need to find places where I'm not going to get crushed by these giant testicles. <laughs> All you can hear is just, Guardian down! Guardian down! <laughs> Honestly, literally, every every two seconds, that f the first one like you have to do is part of the campaign. I think I, I got crushed on that one about five times. <laughs> <Just> every, <laughs> every direction I went in. Because of the nature of the game, you have to move around a lot, don't you? To, to make sure you're not getting murdered. And yeah. every time I moved, I just moved into a point where a ball dropped on my head. <laughs> Very frustrating. <laughs> Very frustrating. But you're enjoying the new season, though. 
Yeah, I am. Um, I think there's, with the content that they've added, it's kind of bolstered uh, the amount of stuff to do each week. Um, like, I am now struggling to kind of do what I would usually do in a week. So that's good, I think. And, um, yeah, obviously, like, the chase of uh, new kind of exotics and items. Um, and I just, I just love the gunplay of it. It's, it's so much fun. I love going into PvP. Um, despite the stasis um, epidemic at the moment, but um, yeah, yeah, I, the, I, I, I still love it. The gunplay is the only thing. The gunplay and the fact that I play with you guys is literally the only thing that keeps me in that game at the moment. Like I, I was saying to Ryan, and I'm tempted to write a blog about my how I've fallen out of love with Destiny. There's so much I hate about that game, <laughs> but the the gunplay is so good that you can't not enjoy it. Um, yeah, I just love sniping people. It's just so much fun. It's just yeah, that's so good. It's just that the little is dopamine so hit, isn't it, when you get like a sweet headshot? <laughs> yeah, yeah. it just like, feels good, man. <laughs> just, oh, yeah, yeah, good. exactly. Gunplay is absolutely solid. Like playing with you guys, the way that the multiplayer works is really smooth, apart from the fact that it's teams are free, which is annoying because we always have like four of us on. But... Um, <laughs> It's yeah, just everything else. This it's a stasis situation, like you say, the stasis epidemic at the moment. It just makes me so angry. Yeah, I can't. I, I can't get, deal. I get that, um, but I've I've kind of learned to live with it and kind of love it a little bit as well. So um, yeah, it is well, frustrating at times, but I still in destiny. I finally got my first aspect. Nice. Um, and I have nearly finished that Born in Darkness Part 3 mission. Yep. Um, what I can say is that the aspect for the Titans is absolutely dog shit and I hate it. Um, so it's much, although Ryan's like, yeah, once you upgrade your stasis, you'll love it. I still hate it. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. I, I just, every, every time I, I see a Titan coming towards me, I just like shit my pants because I'm just like, I can't kill your super at times and it lasts too long so please leave me alone as soon as i hear it i'm just like right i'm just gonna run in the corner see you in a bit <laughs> well the, the first aspect means you can slide further and harder basically which oh, is why there's yeah, there's so many slipper slip and slide titans everywhere but the problem is i'm not a <clears> slip and slide shotgunny character and i despise those characters and i refuse to be a slip and slide shotgunner <laughs> so <laughs> That aspect adds nothing to my life. <laughs> nothing at all. Well, there is a new chess piece that you might like. I think it's a chess piece uh, for Titans for the um, for the Thunder Strike, and it's like I saw Glad using it the other day, and they're basically like two or three hitting bosses um, with it, they're just Ooh. like zooming across the map, and uh, yeah, it's it's just decimating bosses left, right, and center. It was brilliant. I'll have to look into this. It might be the first thing that takes me away from Armamentarium, which I absolutely adore. <laughs> but um, no, okay. So <laughs> moving on anyway, because we'll, we'll have, me and Max will talk about Destiny until literally <laughs> yeah. the podcast ends. Yeah, I'm just sat here <laughs> like, I know, like, I have not got a clue what they're talking about, but it sounds fun. <laughs> Stop talking about space wizards. <laughs> <laughs> so my game for this week is uh, it's a bit of an, it's an older no I say older it's not that old two years old maybe three years old I forget <laughs> it looks old um, <laughs> I mean it it does look old <laughs> that is accurate 
Um, it's, it's Fallout 76. It's a bit of a weird one to bring up. But I've so I purchased this back when it first came out. Did a 24 hour charity stream with it. Fucking hated it. Awful game. Had no had no substance to it whatsoever. Um, I binned it off, got rid of it, and then recently, well, I say recently, over the last two years, I think it is, they've been upgrading and putting a lot of content in because it was a massive failure on Bethesda's part. It really struggled. So they've now the original one didn't have any NPCs. It didn't. It, the story was all told through like notes, which nobody enjoys. Um, yeah. So they've basically now added NPCs. They've added more story to it. They've added so much more content. Uh, and a friend of ours has recently started it. And I thought, fuck it. Um, we, we all went out and paid like four quid for a copy. Um, <laughs> and thought, fuck it. We'll get back into it. Give it a whirl. I've been really enjoying it. It's, it's still not perfect. It still has its issues. Um, it's a much more playable game than it was now. Uh, than it was before. Um, it's still a bit buggy. It still has its, like I say, it still has its issues here and there. But there's something about the concept that just feels so relevant right now. So if you've never played a fall, uh, a Fallout game before, it follows the same concept as all of the Fallout's in that you are, or at least the last two or three Fallout's in that you are a vault dweller. You are a person who has been born inside a nuclear vault and your your parents are those that went into the vault to protect themselves from the nuclear blast during a major war um so you've never experienced the outside world you the game generally starts with you being an adult and you being allowed to go out into the outside world or you escaping out into the outside world in some capacity this one uh, in this one the vault vault 76 is the the vault that is set to open and be the first people to go out and explore the world um and again with i mean what we've been in lockdown for nearly a solid year now in and out of lockdown so this concept of being locked inside these four walls and being the first person to be able to go out or like go, going out and experiencing lots of things in the world for the first time again just feels so relevant right now <laughs> just it, yeah. it feels like the game is like the end of the lockdown go out and experience the world go and see what's out there like covid and, the game <laughs> yeah and it's just that, that that idea is just really sort of hit home with me right now and just the idea of going out and experiencing the world that i've already experienced before but now it's got like a new shiny light to it mm. um and this the the community in that game is fantastic they are so nice and again that's been really pleasant so it's got a really they've changed the system now so it's got a proximity microphone system now so when you're in proximity, close proximity to people you can hear them and they can hear you yeah i think that's um, always fun no matter what game you play yeah it's a great system um and everyone i've come across so far not only have they been super nice, I mean, they're all a higher level than me or near enough all a higher level than me. I've met a few low level players, but I'm only like level 17 and I'm meeting players that are like level 100. Um, <clears throat> they're all very high level players. Never once have they attacked me. Never once have they been a dick. They always come up. Oh, how you doing, man? You enjoying the game? Like, here, let me give you some stuff. And they always just give me like they just give away stuff. Oh, here's a bunch of like health kits. Here's a bunch of food. 
like I hope you enjoy the game, man. Like go go out and uh, experience the world. Here's some here's some freebies to help you out. Here's a gun. Um, just That's super cool. nice community. That just yeah, every time I've run into someone, they've given me something, or tried to be nice to me, or offered to help with a mission. They're just like I say, just super cool community. And I know our friend Shane, who is the one who's been playing it quite quite solidly recently. He was he contacted me the other morning and said to me that. So he's level 45 or something now. And he actually ran into a group on Twitter that are a uh, Fallout 76 role players. Yeah, so he yeah. came across this. They, they, I, I think they're called the first responders of Alape, Al, 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 I can't remember. I, I don't know how to say the place. <laughs> Al, Apal, Apal, oh, I, can't, I don't know. Appalusa. Anyway, they call themselves <laughs> Appalachia. That's it. They call themselves <laughs> the first responders. And uh, he said, like he was just ch- he was just going about his business, and these guys came up, full role play, didn't break character. One of them, one of them had a character of a ghoul and was even doing a ghoulish voice <laughs> to match their character. Amazing. Um, and yeah, and they like offered him some help, like offered him a load of resources. He because he's quite a high level now. He actually turned them down and said, "No, I'll give them to someone else." And they were doing like certain missions and offered to ha- have him join them for some bits and he offered to help him out with some bits. And like I say, just the community that's built around that game just feels so pleasant right now. It's just such a pleasant experience to be in. Um, I've just really enjoyed my time this week. And like I say, it just feels so relevant. <laughs> Very wholesome episode this, this week. Yeah, this is <laughs> a wholesome shit episode. And, uh... Well, I mean, it's wholesome until we get onto you and probably about to <laughs> moan about space wizards so so go go ahead mike hit, hit us with your space wizard review um, i mean i'm a third of the way through the fallen order star wars game because i watched a finished mandalorian which was great and it just left a little little star wars taste in my mouth so i was like <laughs> i saw it on game pass so i was like i'll give it a download i'll try it again um initially got about two planets in and i was like I'm just done with Star Wars. I'm just done. <laughs> and, and that was before Mandalorian. Um, but yeah, so Mandalorian is like, I mean, I spoke to Jedi about this and he said it's like single-handedly like brought Star Wars back into being good again. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so <laughs> initially hated it first time around. Um, giving it more time this time and I am enjoying it. But it is sort of tapering off a bit and getting a bit sort of repetitive and a bit dull. Um, yeah, so I got to the Kashyyyk level and I completely yeah. finished that one. Um, and it's, it's kind of, I don't know, it's weird because like I kind of enjoy like chopping people up and stuff, but then you kind of moves get a bit samey and a bit sort of i know it, it probably varies a bit later on and i've just picked up the dual lightsaber which feels really like just meh i hate using that yeah. word but it's just like just the kind of way he twirls it around it's not like doesn't make you feel like darth maul does with it you know his dual lightsaber like he just kind of like like he's swinging a mop around like <laughs> just, yeah you know, the, with that dual lightsaber it's weird and I know they do this in other games anyway, but generally when you've got a very fast weapon that has multiple blades, it's weaker. Mm. Um, And I think that's what happens with this. The dual lightsaber 
its initial like attacks are weaker, but obviously it can do more attacks. But that doesn't make sense with a lightsaber. No. Because surely they yeah, should yeah. all be the same. <laughs> yeah. Like it doesn't but, make sense that it's weaker than a single lightsaber. I mean it's it's meant for groups and then the initial sort of attack is just this weird sort of mid sweep thing that he does and it's just it's just boring to watch. Like <laughs> and I know you get upgrades for it later on. Um with like different move combos and stuff, but it's yeah, it was just boring to watch and um, I've not really touched it since then, and I'd, like I said, I'd, I'd um, since picking that up, I was just like, this is kind of, yeah, <laughs> like, I might go yeah, back I, and watch Mandalorian again, because this is like... <laughs> um, I enjoyed it when I when I first played it, I enjoyed it, but I don't think it's, it's not memorable, I don't think. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's just like, it doesn't have many good qualities about it, like... The story, I'm just not into. I don't care about it, and I should because it's so story driven. Um, the lowest point being Kashyyyk and, and like the Wookies, and like usually, like I love the Wookies. Everyone loves Wookies, but they just look shit. They yeah, just look they look fucking the, awful. They do, and I don't even think the story is that good. To be honest, I don't. I don't remember any of this. All I remember is the pain that game brought me. I don't remember any of the story. But yeah, just like. There's a part where like Forrest Whitaker like jumps in and he's chatting to you for a bit, but it's just like, why are you here? Like I don't care. It really, it's, just, it's, it's all, just like I, th- I think, and kind of the sort of issue with Star Wars at the moment is it's it's all very predictable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially in the story, and and I think with at least with things like The Mandalorian and um, Rogue One, you know, the kind of it's got that Star Wars feel to it, but it's just kind of diverting into different territories, doing different things with the story, kind of the pacing of like what you would usually have of Star Wars. You know, there's an episode in The Mandalorian, which is very, um, it's almost like alien-esque, really. There's like a hunt, um, mm-hmm. with, like Mendo's hunting people, and it's it's just a completely different feel to what, a normal, like you would sort of find in a, in a normal Star Wars environment. Yeah, I think, and I think, that, and I think this kind of just continues to to kind of be that copy paste scenarios. Like, oh, it's it's got Star Wars on it, so you know you'll like it. I think the thing with that, Max, is that the minute you go, the the, the predictability lay lies solely with the Jedi's because yeah. the Jedi's are the yeah. they are the the, within the Star Wars world, the epitome of a good guy. Therefore, the good guy will always win. Yeah. Whereas, like, Mandalorian, the Mandalorian himself isn't technically a good guy, but he isn't. he's not really an anti-hero either. He kind of sits in this middle weird grey area where he's willing to do some shady shit yeah. um, to, get, to get what he needs to get done. But at the same time, he always tries to do what's the right thing, but it doesn't yeah. necessarily pan out in the right way. Whereas the Jedi's are always... It's always a case of they need to and they will only ever do what is right and because they are the epitome of a good guy the generalization is that story will lead down to a point where the good guys will win because that and that's that predictability around the jedis and i think yeah. that's i think and i think yeah you've definitely hit the nail on the head there with like i think it, my problem is not with star wars it's with jedis and yeah and space <laughs> wizards that to be honest have shit powers and like they're just not that exciting and they just caught kind of like 
you know the the true good character like um, and i think with the main character in fallen order as well he's just a bit of like a wet lettuce he's just like nothing special about him there's nothing unique well, i mean the actor who plays him is a great actor but it's just just that character is just not great like, there's nothing about him that screams like i want to know more about this character so just again i just don't care because he's probably because he's just a jedi and it's just like oh he's good he's a good guy he's got everything he's he does now is just going to be for the good so it's, yeah. it's not like it doesn't have those like moral gray areas and exactly uh, and <laughs> seen this hundreds of times yeah, yeah and with yeah. the the like exactly what you're saying the jedis the most exciting time we've ever had with the jedis in my opinion was when we didn't really know what the Jedi's were. Like, you look at Luke's story when we all first saw it many moons ago, we didn't really know what the Jedi was or what this Jedi Order was or, like, what it meant to be a Jedi. So we were following him along as he learned it. But then everything that's come, the prequel stuff that came after and the sequel stuff, we understand and know the Jedi's at that point, that that's where they've become so predictable. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like they've kind of tied their own hands behind their back. A little bit, yeah. Unable but, to do anything interesting with the story now. And this is where, I mean, we've seen it with the Disney Plus announcements, though, and we and hopefully we're going to see it with the games, is that they're just going to come away from Jedi, just come away from Jedi's and just give us other stuff. <laughs> give yeah. It, yeah. Everything else in the Star Wars universe is so much more interesting than Jedi's, apart from Ahsoka. Because yeah, uh, she's cool. <laughs> and, and I think you know there there was a little bit of a hint of kind of the diversion uh, from like the focus of the Jedi's in um, the Last Jedi, and that was one thing that I did like about that film was that they were like you know this good versus bad doesn't really matter that there's there's so much more that's at play here, um, yeah. and I think that that little bit there which completely got forgotten about it in the final film. Um, and I was like, oh no, that that's quite an interesting kind of look at the Star Wars universe, um, but it just never developed it at all. Well, this is where, and again, I'm sure Jedi can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but and I haven't seen all of Clone Wars to, but my understanding is, and this is why I'm quite excited about Ahsoka, even though it still goes down that almost Jedi-ish path, is that she isn't a Jedi. And she actually turns her back on the Jedi Order, but she's not a Sith. She yeah. is a she's a lightsaber wielder, Force user who sits in the middle ground, doesn't believe in everything the Jedi's want, doesn't believe in everything the Sith want. So we're going to get an almost interesting and more inspired storyline from her that we're not going to get if you're full Jedi or full Sith. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so my my advice, Mike, is just um, stop. I think personally, I think the more you play that game, the more your hatred for Star Wars as a whole will grow, will come back, <laughs> and it's going to get more frustrating as well. <laughs> yeah, the final boss battle did uh, cause me some issues. Yeah, I know. I, Mate, I watched Shane play. I nearly cried. Right, <laughs> <laughs> issues. And he had a full-on <laughs> mental breakdown. Mate, when Stan, the power of Stan Bush pulled you through, we all cried. <laughs> it was the most, it was literally one of my most amazing gaming moments ever that I will never forget. So good. But yeah, 
So you've played something else this week, haven't you? Yeah, so with us um, talking about sort of graphical art styles, um, one game jumped out to me on, on Game Pass because I've been just trawling through that back catalogue um, these last couple of weeks because Xbox just don't want to cancel my subscription. So <laughs> so uh, they, just, they just take it out every month so I can't do anything about it. But, um, That's but yeah, exactly. <laughs> so like I've been playing this game called Haven um, which had this great sort of graphical art style to it. So it's a RPG-esque type game. I only got like an hour in, but it has a sort of time-based attack similar to the way Final Fantasy, the original one, sort of worked, where you'd have to charge up a bar and then, then attack. Um, mm. And you, you're in this sort of world that's all fractured, um, and everything's blue and looks cool, and it's all sort of neon, and you kind of float around. As these two characters, so you, you play as like a, a couple, like a boyfriend girlfriend type deal. So, yeah, it just initially seems like the dialogue has like some weight to it, and, and sort of impacts the relationships of these this couple. And then, sort of, if you get along while you're adventuring, and then you bang. I've watched this in the trailer, and, and um, it just seems like you bang, you go adventure, you come back to your little caravan or whatever it is, and then you bang again. You go out adventure and then you come back and you bang and it, it seems good. I mean, I'm pretty into it, but but the art <laughs> style, but the art style is uh, um, it's it's really cool. It's like really unique. It's got these sort of pastel kind of colours to it. It's kind of cell shaded, a bit anime ish. Um, but yeah, everything's got of neon and pastel and it's very bright and colourful and it's worth worth a play. But I'm gonna um, I need to play more. So I can't I can't give it like a, a full review, but what I've played so far seems fun. Yeah, I, I've seen a trailer of it um, when it came to Game Pass, uh, and I was I was interested in it for sure. I think my Game Pass is running out actually, and not that I have uh, anything to currently play it on um, in in that sense. But um, from what I saw, like as you say, there was like the very cell shaded sort of characters, yeah, yeah, um, an environment and. Because uh, you're kind of like cleaning up the planet, aren't you? Or, or like areas. That's it. Yeah, this is sort of... of like infected with this sort of rust type. Uh, it's like a sludge, and you just scoot around over it. You like hover around the map, and you just clean stuff up, and it just seems like a yeah, nice, it's... pleasant time. And yeah, it's, it's cool how because I think it's very like red and black, like the the infection, yeah, um, or the rust. Um, and then, obviously, as you kind of traverse over it, you kind of bring that vibrancy back into the world. And yeah, that, that looked quite, uh, it, quite it, like that mechanic. Looked quite interesting. It kind of reminds me, in a way, of Concrete Genie, in the yeah. way you were sort of like, you know, painting the world and changing things around you and stuff. So interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I'm definitely going to check that out at some point. Um, it's it's uh, been added to the backlog, so yeah, <laughs> the ever growing backlog. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I'll, nice. I'll definitely be dipping back into it again. So yeah, I look yeah. forward to hearing your your more your more full review of that once you've uh, played a little bit more. Yeah, see where that goes. But as as Mike just uh, alluded to with his cheeky little segue there, um, <laughs> we are talking about graphic graphic art styles in our final segment so as as mike's just hit us with with that haven one we'll we'll go into our third segment our final discussion point so the 
what I've put down today is that let's talk about art. Let's talk about our two personal favorite games based solely on art graphic styles. So that's that's gameplay is irrelevant. Anything else is irrelevant. It's solely on art and graphic styles. That like what stands out for you? Because I know there's going to be game. Like if I just said your two favorite games, Michael just start talking about Last of Us again. Scary. Um, <laughs> I mean, look, brown. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, gray I mean, like, brown and grey. <laughs> which is which could work for both of those games. But um, so yeah, two two games talking about graphic styles. Why? Uh, we'll round. We'll do our usual round the room. If you, Max, if you can give me one of your two first. One of your two first. Your first one. Whichever one you want to talk about first. So my first one uh, came out in 2012. Um, and that was Journey. Mm-hmm. I don't think I actually played this until 2015. Uh, well, after 2015 when it came out on the PS4. I don't know why I'd avoided it for so long. Well, I don't know why uh, you did either because it's a great game. I, it's a... I, yeah, I almost had this on, on my list. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it, um, just kind of it's it's such a stunning game. There's so many points for such a short game as well. It's there's so many key points in it and areas that are just so stand out. Um, and it's brilliant where it, you know focuses on like a minimalist design ethos. Like you know the gameplay itself is very minimalist. I know you mm. said don't talk about gameplay, but. It's, part, it's it's kind of part. No, of it, yeah, you can, yeah, you can still talk about it. I'm not saying. Yeah, yeah. About it. <laughs> just that's, that wasn't our focus. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, but yeah, just kind of yeah. In terms of the gameplay, you know, it's very, very minimalist. You know, you're just exploring, um, and yeah, because of that, so you kind of sorry, like right? you either like jump and then you can sort of sing or like you know they make a noise, don't you? Yeah, they they didn't want it so that you. Um, you know, like hindered any progress. Like yeah, there, yeah. there was a multiplayer element to it, but they didn't want you to hinder progress. They wanted people to kind of nurture other people, help them explore the, the beautiful environment that um, they kind of set out. Um, but yeah, it was um, developed by that game company um, who originally did Flower, uh, mm-hmm. which also came out on the PS3 um, and had several re-releases. Um, but you had uh, Matt. Uh, Matt, Matt um, Nava, I think his name is, um, who was like a, a key sort of focus, um, like a key designer within Journey, and has gone on to build, uh, build, sorry, the uh, the giant squid team, um, right, yeah. who have also re- uh, released Pathless, which I played recently, and that is also very good. Um, I think you should definitely check that out. Um, yeah. But yeah, like the main the main focus around Journey is kind of the cloth, cloth dynamics, um, not only of the character but of the environment as well. There's flags um, that are kind of signposted around um, flowing cloth that you kind of jump up that um, kind of connects bridges, um, and this is all sort of flowing in the wind. Um, but like the architecture and character design is very heavily influenced by like middle eastern culture and uh, which you can see like within the architecture um and um 
and then but there's also kind of this influence of like tibetan chinese and japanese influences sort of trickling through as well kind of as you get to the final stages you've got like the shinto shrines um in, in like the mountain area kind of propping through kind of almost creating this like dreamlike sequence and very sort of spirit spiritual areas it's really beautiful yeah you can really see all the uh, the influence of like all different sort of cultures can't you just shining through yeah that. yeah and i think that's brilliant about um kind of that game company's games and also uh of giant squids like it, it's incredible to kind of experience and explore uh, mm. kind of these design elements from different cultures and kind of this uh, and some like it's kind of the, the stories as well especially within pathless um experiencing those different cultures um influence on stories yeah and, um the environment is it's very flat but it has that little bit of texture on certain elements to kind of make it pop and um kind of using strong color cues and lighting and um, draw that sort of illustrative feeling um that you kind of get within the game i know there's um there's a part that i always remember where you're sort of sliding down like a sand dune and then it yes. sort of the camera sort of slowly pans like so it's a, a side on view and then you just get yeah. hit with this like blast of like orange and all these great colors coming through and it's just like this such a beautiful moment yeah it's it's such an emotional experience due to scenes like that it's it's just incredible yeah. and you know with that use of light um it's like you know the lighter sections and using sort of brighter and more vibrant colors you've got like an ease um a feeling of where that area is quite happy and then kind of when you get to kind of the third sort of part of the game it's yeah. very dark um very constricting in terms of like the use of fog to kind of reduce yeah. your view on the environment and uh, i think that's uh, you know that's done really really well in that game mm -hmm. as well like yeah that is a one thing for me, like, it did feel like a journey that I went through, and I know that's the whole ethos of the game. But I, um, so you like you, you sort of mentioned it briefly about how you'll get a, another player sort of interacting with you in that world. Like, I managed to play like through the entire game with this other one person, and we got to the end, and it was just like this like amazing journey, like that just you know it comes to the end, and then it kind of leaves you just like kind of sad. <laughs> yeah it, it just it just transcends you know you, you don't know who the person is but you've kind of developed a, a friendship a relationship with that person exactly yeah through, yeah through no other means of, you, you can't really communicate you can only like jump around and kind of yeah. like sort of walk and say go come over here it, it just kind of transcends that feeling of you know being restricted by language barriers um and cultural barriers it's it's like you know people have made their minds up um, individually about kind of who the character represents, like whether it's male or female, or it's not necessarily set, although it does have like the influence of like the Middle Eastern um, architecture and things. Yeah, like, especially it, early on as well. Yeah, it's it's still, it's part of its own world and it, it doesn't restrict it in, in that sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, such a good game. Yeah, that it is a it is a solid solid title, and graphically, like you say, it's just absolutely 
stunning. So I need to play for her again now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. On the so backlog. Mike, yeah. <laughs> so, Mike, what what are you going to be able to follow that up with? Because that's a great start. Um. So mine is something very different to Journey. It's not as beautiful and and transcendent, and it's not this amazing Journey. It's it's Borderlands and that art style. Um. It initially started off in development as a very brown and dull. <laughs> you know, I, you know, I love my uh, oh. my brown games. Who do love your brown games? <laughs> so it, yeah, so in in development, it was this sort of like drab shooter, almost Halo esque. Um, they originally dubbed it as Halo meets Diablo, and they started off with this sort of gritty um, sort of art style, and then. Went through all these different changes, and then last minute they just decided to sort of really stylize it and add this sort of cell shading, um, almost like comic book style to it that is now it's now renowned for. Um, I don't know if I know Shane, you're a lot like me and spend a lot of time on TikTok, and you see like so many cosplayers just yeah. with this, like the you know, copy of the art style in, in makeup and things like that. Um, but yeah, so um, and you can kind of see yeah. like the the graphical jump from Borderlands One to Borderlands Two, where it wasn't just a last minute change. They they really like leaned into this style and perfected it in number two, I think. Um, sorry, Max, you're going to jump in there. Yeah, sorry. Um, I think one thing that you know set Borderlands apart from, especially that generation of, of games. Like you know, I know we were joking about. Um, Skyrim being very brown uh, and you were saying like you know it started off a kind of brown and dull looking game mm-hmm. but that was so much of that sort of generation of that time of like the PS3 and Xbox yeah. 360 era, era where it was like Gears of War you know it's a good game but they're all just brown and muddy and I don't know like you know brown was where we, yeah, it was, it was <laughs> focused on realism but why did realism mean that everything was brown and crap Yeah, have uh, you been outside? Yeah, yeah. It's still quite snowy up here. So, but um, but yeah, it's it, it was just good that kind of Borderlands chose to f- focus on setting itself apart, especially in that era of just brown and shitness. Yeah. Um, the the thing with that art style as well is not not so much now. Um, even though it is always going to be the first thing you think of is the minute you see that graphical style, no matter what game it is. Um, like if it's a new trailer or something, your immediate thought is, is this Borderlands? Because it sets itself apart from so many, from like everything else by having that style. Yeah. And even now where games have tried to copy or do the same style, the same style of like cartoony cell shading that it it's known for that, like really big popping colors and very bright game. So yeah, even when those traders drop, the first thing you'll think is, is this a new Borderlands game? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> one that specifically jumped to mind to me, um, when you say that was Apex, and when that sort of yeah. launched, I was like, "Is this is this a Borderlands? Like, what is this?" Yeah, um, but yeah, so no, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah, they've done it. Like I say they did a really good job, and it's just it's so colourful. I love it. The yeah. colour, mm. the colour scheme they use is great. Yeah, especially in number two, um, where they, you know they because it wasn't just a, a sketch over, but they already made brown environments. Um, it was, you know, fully fledged, you know, everything, all of the colours popped in that game. Um, yeah. 
you know, you went yeah, to the yeah. snowy areas to like, to yeah, yeah. Point. Um, you know, you go from snowy areas to like deserts, and you know, you go all over this this like really colourful world, and really brings like the world of Pandora like to the front. Um, yeah. And as well as well as like like the comedy writing from the lead writer Anthony Birch um, lends itself to that comic book style as well, like really complements it perfectly. Yeah, the writing for it is really good. Yeah, really. Yeah, good. I need to go back and I just couldn't get on with Borderlands One um, when Same. it initially came out, and um, yeah, I, I think like the art style and kind of the world. Um, aesthetic like, I, re- I really do like that art style and I think it does from what I've seen of like the comedy aspects of the game I think that bro- works together really really well but mm-hmm. I just yeah I just couldn't get on with Borderlands 1 so I, yeah, it's I one of those one of those games again. that like everything it's got I want to love like I, sh- mm. I, I should love Elliot every single element of it and I do love every of it but the minute they're put together in the way that Borderlands done it and I and I got hot so so many hours in. I was just like, oh, I just I just don't love this anymore. Yeah, it's just. Um, but that's I mean that's just my personal opinion. I just, I just yeah. couldn't get on with it. I've replayed Borderlands Two so many times, but I've I've never gone back to Borderlands One because it's just the worlds apart in terms of art style gameplay and um, you know just just the writing in general. Like it's so much better in Two. It's a good style in my opinion. Yeah, maybe I should start from uh, number two then instead. Yeah, but yeah, and it wasn't three a little bit um, hit and miss as well. Maybe just do two. Yeah, okay. I I didn't really like three. <laughs> I <laughs> yeah. didn't get very far. And, and Mike likes the game, so maybe yeah. just play two and ignore the others. Play two and then see <laughs> okay. how you feel about. It. <laughs> <laughs> right, two's added to the. <laughs> Add into the backlog. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm about to add another game to your backlog. If you uh, haven't already played this. So I don't know if you two have heard of this game. Max definitely has because I've definitely shouted about it before. Um, it's a game called For- Forgotten Anne. don't know if you've heard of it, Mike. Um, um, was, it, was it free on PS Plus recently? I mm, don't think so. No, I don't think so. I don't think no, it's ever okay. been free on PS Plus. No, I'm uh, it's on, it is on consoles, but um, I would 100% advise you to play it on Switch. I played it on Switch, and it is the perfect title for the Switch. Um, it's it's just stunning. It's a so it's a completely hand animated uh, action side scrolling action adventure. It's no, it's not particularly long. I think you can complete the game in just under six hours. It's not a particularly long game at all. It's not an expensive game. I think it's like seven pound or something, maybe even less than that on Switch. I picked it up. It came out in twenty eighteen. Um, and it was by Throughline Games. I don't think they've done many other games. I think it's one of like their only games that they've done. Uh, but it basically follows this girl named Anne, and she is in the world of forgotten things. So there is a another world that is intrinsically linked to our world that we can't see or access. But when things get lost and forgotten about, that's where they end up. So cool. like you a, meet uh, Alice in Wonderland vibes. Well, yeah, a hundred percent, a little bit like that. So you play as Anne, who is one of the only humans in that world, and every everything you meet, like, is an item that's been forgotten about. But when they go to that world, they gain 
sentience so like you come across a lost sock for example that's got a face and it can talk and it walks around and it moves around on its own um but it's been lost and forgotten about in our world so it so it's gone on to this other world just when you said um forgotten items i was thinking yo-yos pogs you know pokemon cards like like, literally (laughs) all those items that you where you 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 a missing sock a random boot like (laughs) you just meet all these crazy characters that are just these hand-drawn like stunning um art styled like characters that they've created and one of the things that i really really liked about this game as well is that Anne is human but they've made a real effort with her the way that she's animated and the way that she plays to make her human Mm. she's not super she's got an element of athletics uh, athletics to her like she is athletic in nature but she's not acrobatic she's not like some tomb raider can do like backflips off of things when she jumps from a height and hits the ground she doesn't land in a cool way she stumbles and falls over when she's running she's quite heavy in the way the way that she feels when she's running she's graceful but she's not like i say she's not like a tomb raider-esque and sprint for a year without having to take a breath um she can you have to she climbs ladders at the pace like a human would climb ladders like like the movement's got weight to it kind of thing yeah Yeah. everything she does and the way that they've like drawn her and the way that they've animated her just makes her feel human um but the whole world like i say it's a side scrolling um action adventure and the whole world all of the background are everything it's all hand animated and it looks absolutely stunning and i honestly would say anyone who's got switch play it on switch go and play it because it's fantastic it's only about five or six hours long if you haven't got a switch it's on steam ps4 and xbox i believe yeah. uh, go and play it on one of them because it's such a good game add it to the backlog yeah <laughs> <laughs> well my, my backlog's uh, <laughs> ever growing in this episode <laughs> Yeah, you add it to the backlog, Max. Mike, you're playing Switch anyway at the moment. Just go and buy it. Yeah. Go and play it. <laughs> I, you I, will I think, not regret it. I'll buy it, play it I for an that, hour, and then buy another game. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think when you initially uh, said to me about it, because it, it's very reminiscent of kind of that Ghibli... Yeah, uh, it reminds me of a, of a Studio Ghibli animation. like, oh, right. And yeah. e- even not just the, the way it's animated, but even like the whimsical nature of the storyline. Yeah. And I think I think we kind of said about like Nino Cooney as well, just that, like, yeah, that similar sort of Ghibli style. And as you say, that yeah, the whimsical sort of feeling that it has is yeah, it's stunning. Yeah, exactly. And as art styles go, Ghibli's just worth a mention, isn't it? Well, not a game. <laughs> yeah, hundred like, percent. Trying to get that in there. Just yeah, get like... <laughs> <laughs> it. Force it in there, Max. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is that very much that really, really whimsical anime style. And I think it was the second ever game that I played on Switch and one of the only games I've ever completed on Switch. Um, wow. And yeah, after I hated Zelda when I got that, I was like, bin that off, I'm going to see what's on sale. And this was on sale. The animation style, as a big anime fan, I saw it and was like, oh my God, this looks like a Ghibli game. I'm going to have to buy it. <laughs> um and i just absolutely fell in love with it and it's everything about it like i say is spot on and it's just got that beauty that whimsical beauty of a ghibli film that you'd really enjoy with the exception of that new ghibli film that we don't talk about because it looks horrible um, 
but yeah, yeah, if you've not seen it, Mike, don't 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 go and look it. (laughs) It's it's they've released a new trailer for their new film, and it's a CG animated film, and honestly, it looks horrible. Yeah, (laughs) it's just lost all that all that character that kind of yeah Ghibli is so well renowned for. It's it just yeah, it looks like a TV at like the children's animated like TV show on CBBC like oh, okay. during, yeah. during the day like it's yeah it's a shame <laughs> just before Max gives his second one though which I know links into what I was just talking about with regards to hand drawn there's mm. you can uh, go online right now if you're interested in Ghibli's art they have released hundreds of uh, art concepts and uh, art pieces from their films for free online that you can just go and download for free. They've just released like um, for each film, each film has like 25 to 30 pictures um, that they've released of their original concepts of some of their like concept artwork, some of the artwork they actually used in the films that you can just go and download in high quality straight off of the website. And it, it, they honestly, there's some, when you look through it, you just see the, the detail that they put into their artwork. is just insane. So good. Yeah. Well worth awesome. um, a that to the back Mac, look. <laughs> Add it in there. <laughs> but Max, to your uh, to your second one then. Yeah, so my second one. Um <laughs> so this game is well renowned for how hard it is. Um everyone's probably seen the uh the news story of when reviewers struggled to beat the um intro tutorial area. Um, which was hilarious. So do I. Uh, <laughs> it's, um, it's Cuphead, and uh, the, the the artistry behind this game, like the team of completely, they've got to be commended for just how stunning this game looks, and yeah. just how well it kind of shows that 1930s animated style kind of a la Disney and the, the Fleischer Brothers, you know, Mickey Mouse and Betty Boop. Um, it, yeah, it's just yeah. incredible that, like, the backgrounds are, you know, watercolour paintings um, and then all the all the animation, Frank, like, all the characters and elements in the foreground are, a, a, like, an animated frame that have been painstakingly drawn by hand. Um, and they were saying that they looked at the difference of colouring it, um, kind of normally or digit, digit yeah, sorry, can't even say it, digitally um, colourising it, and um, they said that there wasn't too much difference. So they picked with the easier option, with yeah. um, <laughs> which at the time when uh, when the when they first started developing this game, I think it was only a team of three people involved. Um, yeah, so. Yeah kind of the, the insurmountable effort that these guys had to go through to kind of get this project um started it's just incredible uh, and, and it's amazing seeing kind of the kind of true to the styles of the 1930s of having those like technical limitations um and imperfections that you used to see on those animations yeah, like the yeah. um like the out of focus like blurry elements but also like the imperfections of like dust and hairs and like yeah. the noise uh, like on the on the actual like image itself it is it's just so good do you, do you know what it reminds me of um like 
Roger Rabbit with like the Toontown, you know, where it like breaks a wall open and then there's all of like Toontown is just like displayed and it's all like wacky and it just kind of reminds me of that. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I can see that. I fucking love Roger Rabbit. It's such a great film. <laughs> well, absolutely one of my favourites as a kid as well. Yeah, well I haven't seen it in years, but yeah. it's such a good film. But like, yeah, just reminds me of that. Yeah. It's yeah, it's just it's just so I just commend them for their efforts. It's, it's such a stunning game, although albeit very frustrating game to, to play. Mm. It's worth mentioning the music as well, because the music is is great in that. Yeah, I think it's it's just like a whole package, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's not only like the music, but like the artistry behind it. It all kind of focuses that element of um, yeah, like what yeah, it all lends kind itself of just like complementing yeah, emulating that yeah, yeah, emulating that style is is brilliant. Yeah, um, yeah, it's but the music is is one reason why I'll never play it because I've watched a few people stream it. And if they just die straight away, then the music just starts again, and it's just like <laughs> the same, the same sequence yep. of music, and it's like, ah, I just, I just can't cope with that in my head. Yeah, <laughs> just bringing back memories. Like, one, yeah. the parent is absolute. <laughs> <laughs> Please not again. But yeah, again, it's, it's totally like agree. like with um with Borderlands it's an art style that makes it completely stand out against anything else absolutely yeah just yeah fan- it, they really did a fantastic job with that game yeah so Mike what is your number two um, so my number two is one of my favourite games of all time it's Shadow of Colossus which is this sort of beautiful sprawling open world where you play as this one man that's trying to resurrect his his girlfriend, um, his dead girlfriend, and the, the way he has to do that is he strikes a deal with this sort of demigod or god type thing that if he kills these 12, I think, monsters or 16 monsters, I always forget the number, um, but these, these, these huge beasts that are just roaming the land, minding their own business, being perfectly innocent, if you ask me. Um... <laughs> And you're just this tiny little man. You have to climb these huge beasts, and you have to find the weak spots, and and just brutally murder them in in the the noble goal of getting your dick wet, <laughs> <laughs> Hit, hitting them in the weak spots for massive damage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, but it has this like really minimalist, very brown, <laughs> very brown <laughs> yeah, it art style to it. Very brown. But when I saw this, go on, sorry, Max. Sorry, yeah. When when I saw this, I was like, "Oh man, it's such a brown game." But I think, as you as you're about to say, uh, I'll I'll let you carry on. Yeah, it just it just works with the with the world, um, because there is just this really sort of dull, um, almost like somber world that you're in, and it's very silent. And as you're sort of riding through the land. You know, you just hear like bits of nature, and um, so it's this very like quiet, really subtle sort of way of telling a story, and it just kind of leaves it to your own interpretation of of like um, how the story is progressing and and why you're doing this, and it leaves all of the reasoning up to yourself because you have like little to no dialogue other than shouting egg roll or whatever the horse's name. 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, Agro. Like a like a, again, like the the art style, of the game itself all still holds up now. Um, it's just yeah, it's just this great story about killing killing beasts. And it beasts there are. Go on, sorry, Max. Again, <laughs> killing beasts that um, you know just minding their own damn business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the way the way after you you brutally murder this monster by just stabbing it in the head a few times, um, it, it, it leaves you this really sad moment where you just watch the beast sort of fall to the ground and the music kicks in and it's really like sad, and it's it's just like this emotional like like the game journey itself. It's just an emotional journey. Yeah, um, just, just more murder. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> but it's just so beautifully done. Like it's, it's just incredible, and there are like really sad moments as well, and yeah, some, some surprising sort of plot twists as well, which is crazy for a game that has almost no dialogue, other than yes. other than sort of like a brief intro to what the monster is about, kind of thing. But it's very like mm. fantasy mumbo jumbo, like. In the way it's the way it's written, so it just leaves it entirely up to what you interpret it as. Yeah, so it's so tragic, um, and just as you say, like although being so brown, it's just got such an ambience to it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it, it just, really does. Yeah, yeah, it just works. Yeah, ambience is the word I was looking for the whole time, but yeah, it really is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the one of the only games that really gives brown a a, a good like positive. Um, review. Yeah, Brown never looks so good. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly that. <laughs> but yeah, just that. That's that's it. It's just a beautiful game. If you've not played it, just go do it right now. Just do it immediately. Yeah. Um. So talking about Brown, then my my last pick actually goes in the opposite direction because the thing that makes my second game so good from a graphical art style is its use of colour um, and that's and I know we've spoken about this game so many times and I know Sarah's going to absolutely love me for, for raising this in this episode but it's Persona 5 like the <laughs> the use of colour and I mean the animation style itself is very good it's again it's got that very anime even I'm not going to say that graphically it's one of the best looking games in the world because it's not um, but the way that they deal with the graphics gives it that very anime vibe to it. It does make it help. It helps build that feeling that you are living in an anime. You are playing through an anime. Um, yeah. And the cutscenes are literally just animes. <laughs> They're just pure animated like it would be an anime. Yeah. Um, but the, I mean, there's lots of games that have done anime style graphics. But it's, and it's sort of very purposefully done the way they yeah. use that style. like. And this is what I was going to say, like this, there's, there's so, a lot of games that have used an anime style graphics, but the way that this game uses it and the, the use of color in this game just really, really makes it pop. It gives it that real jazzy, like real suave, cool looking um, style to it. And if anything, it's actually the use of, and I, I mean, Max, it'd be interesting to see your view on this, but the way I kind of look at it, it's almost like, they actually take out some detail to pop the colour more. It's like a lack of detail to allow more colour to come through as opposed to more focused in detail um, to help give it that, 
that really sort of popping vibe with particularly with the obviously the color red is used a lot yeah um, and it just gives it that really suave cool sort of i don't know what what's best to describe it's almost like noir-esque vibe but with the color red yeah there's yeah. there's such a dynamic um kind of uh, of the use of color of the like the cuts between how like the illustrations and that pop on the screen there's just so much so much dynamism in within that um oh, it's, dynamism it's, it's, it's i like that word <laughs> <laughs> it just it just pops like all movement is so as you say like suave which fits in with the music um as well it all complements each other and as you say like there's a very sort of strong and contrasting uses of like blacks and reds um because you have like the illustration and characters uh, where they're kind of all in like the black and white style um of like a, a, a manga but then you've got like these red pops on kind of different elements of their of their character design like you know joker's eye mask um i think it is kind of um used as being red um you've got app and um uh, her entire outfit yeah her entire outfit <laughs> is red um and just also in like the different environments you've got kind of that sort of whimsical painterly element as well that kind of drips in um which is, i think is beautiful as well because it's really uh really works yeah and even with the when you um the monsters when you you go to grab their face off they're like they're generally like these big sort of ultimately black shadows but with like a white mask with red eyes and it's just that those contrasts of those three colors that yeah. really that work really well um and it helps make the like the red the white and the black all pop against each other in such a way that it works works really really well hmm. but yeah so that's that's my last one now i know that both of you guys have got some honorable mentions so before we tie up the episode obviously you've got an opportunity to to discuss your honorable mentions but mike because <laughs> i know you've got fucking loads um i'm gonna i'm gonna be enforcing some limits on this I am going to give you, get ready to speak fast. We'll see about that. <laughs> I'm going to give you one minute each to quickly talk about your honourable mentions. Cool. So, I don't think I'm, I'm not going to need that long. I'm just yeah. You're I'm not going to need that long. Mike definitely <laughs> Mike, Mike, will. Mike definitely does. <laughs> and once the one minute is up, Mike, if you have not finished, we are moving on. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. If, if... So, Mike can start because that no, way no, no, we no. can move on to Max after the minute. No, no, because no, otherwise you're going to drag it out. I'm not, no, I won't, not I won't, I promise. No, Mike, Mike's <laughs> going first. Mike first. Have you got any shade? No, I've got no honorable mention, so it's only you two. So you first, Mike. Right, fine. Okay. Hit, hit us now. Right, so Mike's just going to Mike's gonna edit in like, yeah, all gonna, of them later on. Yeah, I've got the power. No, I can go, do that. Hit us. <laughs> so Banjo-Kazooie, Banjo-Tooie, great cartoon art style, uh, just super fun and vibrant. Limbo, Again, like just art style that pops. Um, Shovel Knight, great eight eight bit like pixel art. Uh, again, with a short hike, this short little art piece that's uh, on Switch. The Ori games, like great yes, painted nice. art styles. I thought you'd go for these, Max. And <laughs> um, 
uh, finally, Love, Death and Robots on Netflix. That is a masterclass in art style. Oh, in my that is fantastic. So good. There you go. There's your minute. So many say? different art styles. I, actually, I mean, you've only used 37 seconds, That's so you've needed. got 20 seconds to fill. <laughs> Right. <laughs> that's all you needed <laughs> but on a serious note everyone should watch love death and robots because it's, so it's not every single episode is a different art style like every single um look because they're like mini episodes aren't they every yeah. single one is a different art style and it just really shows how different and how um sort of inventive they can be with art styles and how how much it changes the element of the story or like how dark or light it feels and things like that as to using different types of art really changes the emotion of the of each episode yeah max all right shane stop banging on about it god yeah <laughs> a step way over a minute um <laughs> my, my honorable mentions are um the super giant games um probably more focusing on uh, hades and transistor because of the ones those are the ones that i played uh most hades is just so good such a perfect but yeah everything Everything about Hades, the art style, the music, um, yeah, characters, like everything, yeah. so so good. Definitely check them out and and have a look at the art styles because yeah, Super Giant Games definitely needs to be be commended uh, for the whole package that they produce every yeah. single time. Um, uh, Bastion as well was another great one. Yes, yeah, but yeah, that's it. I'm I'm, I'm done. Oh, okay, <laughs> I thought you had another one, but no, that's fine. Uh, well, I was I was going to say about Grizz, but I was going to talk about that um, when I was talking about Journey because the character designs are the same. And now I've talked about it anyway, so there you go. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Sorted. And that's it. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, do you want to wrap us up? Yeah. So that's been this week's episode of Triple XP. So you can join us next week where we've got a a, a group special where we're joined with uh, Camp and a few of the other guys, uh, a few of the other regulars. So it's a good time to subscribe now. So you catch that next week. So that's it. Catch you next time. Triple F-D.